Aldrin Sampia on Beyond the Headline. It is 21 minutes after 3 o'clock. Remember your calls on 086-000-2032. Your voice notes on 0614-104-107. And you can also tweet at Aldrin Sampia. Our SMS line is 41391. We're in conversation next with Dr. Emmanuel Matambo, Research Director at the Center for Africa-China Studies at the University of Johannesburg. We look at the 20th National Congress of the Chinese Communist Party, which will kick off on Sunday. President Xi Jinping is expected to outline China's achievement in science and technology and also to provide political direction in terms of how the country intends to limit the human um, and economic impact of COVID-19. Uh, joining us now to discuss the significance of the Congress, Dr. Emmanuel Matambo. Dumbo now joining us on the line. Dr. Matt Dumbo, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us. So do you think um, as expectations are that Xi Jinping will get that um, third nod to say go ahead for that third term? Uh, good afternoon, uh, Audrey, and good afternoon to your many listeners. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, all the signs at the moment are showing that uh, President Xi Jinping will extend his role because uh, we have noticed that uh, Xi Jinping thought, which is uh, the basis of his leadership has now been uh, grafted not only in the constitution of the Chinese Communist Party, but in the constitution of China itself as a nation. So that itself gives us some hints that, yes, indeed, even if uh, some changes might happen uh, in the Politburo itself, he will remain the core leader of China. And that the trajectory that he has set the country since the 18th National Congress in 2012 will still hold sway in the near future. Does he have a good story to tell that under his leadership, this is what China has achieved? Well, let us first look at China itself before him and after he came to to power. Before before he came to power, China was making great strides. It was growing at actually a faster rate than it is growing at the moment. But then it was a China that wanted to rise peacefully, as previous president said. After Xi Jinping came to power, China became more bold. It became more pronounced in its military ambitions, for example, and uh, even in its many pronouncements, this is no longer a China that is timid and shy to flaunt its power. It is a China that has shown even uh, meaningful demands, for example, for reintegration with Taiwan. So in terms of China's image, yes, it has become bolder, but in terms of economic uh, progress, China has actually slowed down. But we have to understand that after 2013, China acknowledged that because we have developed up to this extent, we are no, we should no longer hold on to this name of being the factory of the world. We should move into a more China that is more into a China that is more domestically or oriented. What the Xi Jinping himself called the new normal. So economically, China is not doing as well under uh, President Xi Jinping. But in terms of its politics, yes, it has assumed this outsized figure. Yeah, and, and then that relationship between, because one of the big things for um, the Chinese economy is also to find new markets. And Africa has always been touted as um, the potential for that new market. Um, do you think on that basis and speaking about the relationship and also looking at the Silk Road, what is it that he'll be able to tell the communist delegates when they meet over the weekend? Well, first of all, when we look at the Belt and Road Initiative, Yes, it is, it is quite a bold and uh, a colossal undertaking on, Ch- on China's part. But then we also have to look at the fact that it is more of a, it, is, it will come more uh, in terms of our investment with the setup of the Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank. So the story is going to tell uh, the, the, the people at the Congress is that they should 
follow his lead. They should follow not only the tangible but the intangible benefits of initiatives such as the Belt and Road Initiatives. And those intangible benefits are, for example, spreading China's uh, political influence and converting the rest of the world to how China is dealing with controversy such as the Xinjiang province controversy, so to say. And as long as China's commitment to Africa remains intact, on the other hand, then yes, China will have a lot of diplomatic support from the continent mm-hmm. uh, when, when it embarks on controversial issues, both in China itself and outside the country. And then, in general, speaking about geopolitics, um, what do you think he has to say there, also considering this relationship between um, the powerhouse that is China, as well as uh, the United States, and also being able, as you said, um, this boldness to throw your weight around? Well, boldness, in, uh, boldness sometimes is not enough, unfortunately, for, for, for countries that are pedal boldness. It has to be accompanied by economic progress. Will China continue to dominate somewhat when it comes to, uh, to, to its economy? And because of that, also, will it convert the rest of the world to, to follow its toll? Its relationship with the United States will always be a relationship that is barbed with some competition of, the, of, of, of some sort. And then, of course, uh, the, what has been obtaining in, in, in Russia since the 24th of February has kind of thrown uh, another awkwardness into that particular relationship. So as long as China continues to grow and as long as it converts, it convinces, especially countries in the developing world, that it produces, it, 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 it provides an alternative for growth compared to the United States, then yes, you will see that a lot of people actually buy there's also people in the in the developing world watching buy into the Chinese orbit at the expense of the of the United States. But realistically speaking, we cannot write off the United States. We cannot write off the United States at the moment in global affairs mm. just because we are infatuated by China's progress. Yeah. And then the final one, you just touched a bit on it a bit earlier on, and that is on Taiwan. Is that an expectation from um, the delegates and the Communist Party? that um, the government under the leadership of Xi Jinping must deliver on a promise um, around uh, incorporating Taiwan into the country and also taking into consideration what President Tsai Ing-wen has said, calling on Beijing to work with Taipei to find a mutually agreeable arrangement. Let us look at this from what has been obtaining between Russia and Ukraine. Russia attacked Ukraine, which is a member of the United Nations. Taiwan, on the other hand, is not a member of the United Nations. China would actually get, would actually win the favor or the understanding of the rest of the world if it attracted Taiwan through what it has been doing, but with a much more aggressive way uh, in, in, in terms of incorporating, integrating China's economy, paying China's economy to, to, to the Taiwan, for example, rather than, for example, both going to Taiwan using military mm. means. I don't think it will, that will be espoused by, by a lot of people. So, yes, through some subtle political pressure, economic integration, then we will see that, yes, there will be some, uh, some closeness between Taiwan and China. And China has actually been winning. It has been making great strides diplomatically. We saw last month when, when the Solomon Islands uh, refused to sign a Pacific Island a Pacific Agreement with the United States, for example. All that was because China was lurking in the in the, in the background, and China was convincing, has been uh, aggressively convincing all the Pacific Islands to cut their ties with Taiwan uh, in, in favor of China. So yes, China has been winning, quite frankly, and I see it as counterproductive if it will move militarily in order to force Taiwan's integration. Thank you so much for your time. Dr. Emmanuel Matambo, Research Director at the Center for Africa-China Studies at the University of Johannesburg.